Welcome to another Pure Fandom Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Prue, and this special episode is a very, very exciting one. This past weekend at San Diego Comic-Con 2018, I sat down with author, professor, historian Deborah Harkness, who you all may know as the writer of the All Souls Trilogy. The All Souls Trilogy is being adapted into a TV series by Sky One Productions, covering the first book in the trilogy, A Discovery of Witches, and the series will be titled as such. I sat down with Deb in the Omni Hotel. We were able to find a not-so-noisy little area to record, and it was such a wonderful, natural, inspiring chat. Tune in for details on how Deb got to where she is today, where she draws her confidence from, and what she wants her female readers to take away from her books, and how excited she is to continue the wonderful series of All Souls and expand upon the life, lessons, and future aspirations of Diana and the rest of its amazing characters. For more interviews with fierce females like Deb, Head to the Fierce Female section on purefandom.com and get inspired. So I went to a women's college and I would not be sitting here having this discussion with you had I not gone to women's college. I really needed that space where there was no sense of limits of what I could do and no sense that there was some kind of like pecking order or hierarchy or, and so I just think it's awesome that you guys did that. Great. And I also oh, thanks. Thank <laughs> you. Awesome purple. Um, but yeah, so everyone of course we're here with Deb Harkness, author and historian of All Souls Trilogy and launching the TV adaptation. It was announced Sundance TV is picked up for U.S. distribution. So yeah, so it's actually Sundance Now. So Sundance Now. AMC bought Sundance and their streaming platform, and AMC is wanting to make Sundance Now into like this super curated, independent voices um, streaming platform. You were saying that in the press room too that you were great that this um, was picked up by an outlet that understands like. We want to keep it to the source material a certain way for specific reasons. So it's about it's about independent voices. Mm-hmm. It's about the you know not what you're normally used to seeing on television. It's about exploring boundaries mm-hmm. and learning and discovering as well as being entertained. Mm-hmm. It is like so perfectly fits the the storyline. So when they you know they came to us and they said this is what we're going to do we're going to kind of use this as the sort of the flagship show for you know really important show for our Sundance Now streaming platform it'll also be on Shudder which is AMC's sort of sci-fi fantasy one and it will also probably get onto the Sundance channel at some point but but the but it's it's a kind of their perspective is about like the importance of streaming. I think all broadcast networks like from HBO on down are thinking we've got to get, you know, catch up with the streaming process. It's just, that's the way it is now, you know. That's the way it is for most of us. We're getting rid of our, here's a thousand channels I don't watch, cable packages. And and this is this is the alternative. So so yeah. So we're on Sundance now in the U.S. and Canada. Wonderful. As well as Shutter in the U.S. and Canada. So if you're Perfect. in Canada and you're listening, 
don't panic. This is also coming She'll take you. care of you. We're covering you too. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, before I dive into a little bit more layered questions, sure. I wanted to know what is your favorite wine? Where can we find it? Or, or, or is it like depend on what kind of mood you're in? You know, it depends on what, you, what kind of mood I'm in. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, my wine tastes really evolve all the time, and it really depends on what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. So I went through a really hardcore vegan phase mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Let me tell you, Cabernet Sauvignon is not a vegan's best friend, <laughs> you know? Um, back in the day when I was eating a lot of hamburgers, mm -hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon was my favorite wine. Oh, yeah. But it changes. I have These days, what I, I'm tending to eat, I'm eating a huge amount of fish, mm -hmm. and I love rosé. I love dry rosé. So if you were to just like walk to my house nine days out of ten, I would be drinking a dry rosé from the south of France. There you go. And you can't beat it. Yeah. My mom actually makes a wonderful sangria, and for my birthday this year, we tried rosé sangria. Oh my God! And heaven. I was like, "Why did it take I, us this long to do that, Mom?" You have never seen a rosé sangria. That is a genius idea. So good. Just a, two bottle for a party. Two bottles of rosé, a cup of brandy, or more if you're feeling fancy. Fruit. If you don't have to drive. Yeah. Drive. Yeah. No. So that's that is my kind of go-to wine at the moment, and Love I drink it. it all year round. It's not like a summer thing for me because mm -hmm. I find it works just as well with grilled salmon and <laughs> grilled salmon in November. It does with barbecued salmon in July. But, um, Wonderful, yeah. and it's and it's inexpensive. It is. It is. It's really, you can get really, a good one for for cheap. Really, like mm -hmm. 10, 11 bucks, you can get yeah. really good rosé. So I oh, love it. Bargain one, I Bargains. love it. Bargains. Um, so I'd love to before we go again into the deeper layered stuff. I'm so interested into because I'm a big vampire genre fan. You know, I read everything witchy vampires. I just love it. What about vampires just oozes allure and romance? You know, people thought the vampire craze was over, and to me, I don't think it's ever over. I love vampires. Did you hear they're doing the Buffy reboot? Oh yeah, yesterday. And Joss I heard is that yesterday. It. It was like, oh my goodness, here we go again. I know. So what about vampires to you just oozes like romance and just excitement? I think for all of us, the prospect of immortality is very alluring. Mm -hmm. The idea that somehow we could live a life that transcended that normal sense of, like, like a vampire never has to go through middle age, do they? Mm -hmm. Like, what would be middle age for a vampire? Who knows? So, you know, whereas I think for all of us, like, we're so pressed for time these days, and we have this sense that time is running out. We don't have enough time. Oh my God, oh my, I, I, I was 20, I turned around, now I'm 30. Oh, you know, everything is racing, racing, racing. I just think the vampire speaks to us today for different reasons than it did. And that's what makes a mythical creature sort of have long-lived resonance, is that when, you know, a witch in the 16th century, which had a very different vibe than it has now. Oh, yeah. Stoker's Dracula has a very different vibe than my than Matthew de Clermont. And it's because it speaks, to, at that point, it spoke to them on a very different level than now. But I think about now, it's, it's all about this crazy, rushy time sense and thinking, man, if I was a vampire, I could just slow down. Yeah. Actually soak in the moment a little bit and yeah. not get anxiety. You're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, it's Monday again, you know? Mm -hmm. 
That brings me to a que another question. So what I love about your mythology is that it's not just about, ooh, he's a vampire, so that just makes him sexy. You use these supernatural creatures as part of telling a bigger story. You know, your story is about, you know, it involves sexism, racism, um, involving acceptance. So what drove you to say, this is what I want to write about? Uh, this is the core of my story. So I'm a historian, and... Um, one of the things that we, we do is we read lots and lots of literature from the past and, and we see the ways that people in the past mobilized really fantastical creatures of all sorts from, you know, mermaids on up through, you know, angels, whatever, to kind of, we have a sort of term in the academy where we talk about how they're monsters to think with. That in any given moment in time, you can take all of your cultural anxieties about, say, like racism, and you can park it on a mythological creature and work through them. It's almost like an experimental lab. Mm -hmm. So whereas if we were, it might be too intense to think about like, man, I have these really complicated feelings about my neighbors who are of a totally different ethnicity. And it seems like, oh, but that makes me a bad person. So I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to think about, you know, vampires. <laughs> it, it just provides the human psyche somehow with room to kind of work through those things. So when I started writing these books, it was 2008. Prop 8 was up on the block in California. So like the, my, my whole state was about to take away the right to marry mm -hmm. from like a significant portion of the population who had just had it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, how can we be doing this in 2008? How mm -hmm. can we think that we're like these advanced progressive people and have these sorts of responses that are about, no, you're different from me. No, you don't have the same mm -hmm. rights, whatever. And at the same time that was happening, it was the Darwin anniversary. It was, a, it was the anniversary of the publication of Origin. Oh, so wow. my mailbox was filled with two things, Prop 8 stuff and celebrate Darwin and the understanding <laughs> of evolution. And I'm oh like, my God. we're not evolving, but what is going on? And that's why wow. I was like, I, want, I, I wanted to talk about the things that I think are our biggest challenges, mm -hmm. which are like empathy, tolerance, acceptance. Mm -hmm. and. I didn't want to do it in a kind of weird, preachy, like, I know the answer way, because I don't. I just wanted to kind of explore them, and this was the way it, this mm -hmm. whole world just kind of came alive. Um, I love it. It's about human, de I mean, human slash creature decency is what it comes yeah, down to. It's, you know? about, it's about the fact, you know, we make monsters. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we make our neighbors into monsters. Sometimes we make... You know, mm -hmm. things we make things we don't understand or that frighten us into mm -hmm. monsters. And um, that's a human tendency, but we have got to learn, like, as a species, if we're going to survive as mm -hmm. a species, we kind of like figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to that, being a woman, just kind of, I feel, I, I think it's getting better um, because, you know, as just as females in general, we're trying to empower each other more. It's hard to, it's hard to ask for an interview. You know, we tell some of our writers, well, you can just ask. And you know, you know, you don't think to because society kind of puts these pressures on you, right. which is why I love the character of Diana because while she is strong and brave, she's also relatable because she's super vulnerable and she has her own insecurities. So how important was it for you to make her a heroine, but also make a reader like me think, okay, I get, I get why she did that. Like, I understand, you know, if you're a little insecure or faulted. Uh, 
I have to say for me, the kind of superheroes who are like completely comfortable with wielding life-altering powers, mm -hmm. they do nothing for me. They do nothing for me because I can't relate to them, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I look out at my classroom, which is filled with these intelligent, smart, vital, lively women, mm -hmm. and I see them struggling to raise their hand, mm -hmm. to speak up. And I and I I wanted to write about women in power because I think it is the single biggest challenge mm -hmm. in some ways facing a lot of women that kind of sense. There's just so much that tells you to blend in, to not make a fuss, to not speak up, to not mm -hmm. cause a problem, not be, and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And, you know, I just don't buy it that a 30-year-old woman who's, who's a witch is like, score. I'm good with that. I know, like, I just don't, that just doesn't sound right to me. You would have to grow into that and, and take your power, but that's the same for you or me. Mm -hmm. So then if it just becomes every woman's journey not mm -hmm. just one woman's journey so, totally you know yeah. I look at it as I actually had started reading when I got a promotion at work and you think you know great I got a promotion but I was like so scared about all these new responsibilities and I was like oh that would kind of what it would be like you're given all these amazing things but what if you mess it up can what? I handle it? That's like Diana and her powers. What if people don't like you anymore because of it? What yeah. if the people who were friends now you've got power over them? Mm -hmm. They don't. Then you now you're the other. Right. Now you're the monster in the room. Yeah. You're and you're the different one, mm -hmm. right? You were all a pack. You get promoted. It it's a different thing, and yeah. we don't talk about that enough as mm -hmm. women. I agree. We just don't, mm -hmm. and so. I just really wanted, I really wanted to write a story where I felt like my students could graduate, could have like their first couple years of like being totally overwhelmed in their first job or in grad school, and then find these books and be like, oh gosh, these books are, these books are by and about and for me, and they have these really strong women at all ages. It's not just that like, you know, there, there, there's like all of this wisdom and yeah. all of these challenges mm. um, yeah so how did you get there you know I've, did you or what did you learn from having any hurdles of oh I can't do this or they won't read you know this research I'm working on because I'm a woman or I can't get in the door like what experiences did you draw from to get here I think it was really important for me to go to Mount Holyoke I went to a women's college mm -hmm. I went at 17 and you know, people say to me, well, why doesn't Diana go to Mount Holyoke? If Diana had gone to Mount Holyoke, she wouldn't be in this pickle at 33. Mm -hmm. um, I was just surrounded by 1,800 incredibly smart women in an environment that said, look, you know, the only voices you're gonna hear are female voices. Mm -hmm. um, and the, everybody running everything from the class presidencies to the residence halls to the sports teams yeah. It was all women. And so I kind of left that environment thinking this was just normal. I went to grad school. I was the only woman talking in class. Mm -hmm. I mean, and these were women who were at Harvard and Yale. Mm -hmm. And there was, and I'm like, why are none of you talking? And they're like, oh, well, what? Yeah. So I just kind of left. And I, I guess in a weird way, it just kind of desensitized me to a lot of stuff. And I... I just kind of do things and, and people later say, what, what were you thinking? And I guess I'm just always 
I guess what I was taught at Mount Holyoke is what I'm thinking is this is this is what feels right to me is what I want to do and having that kind of conviction hardwired and it's like the worst thing I can do is fail mm -hmm. it took me three years to get into graduate school mm -hmm. I got rejected for two years in a row before mm -hmm. I was finally accepted but I didn't think oh my god it's the end of the world and and I'm a failure and I don't know what mm -hmm. to do I just kept like well I'll try again then I'll wow. go I'm gonna go work in a bakery for a year and mm -hmm. I'll figure it out <laughs> um, so I think we just were so hard on ourselves don't you think? A hundred percent. I had, and it's it's so interesting. With every woman we interview for this series, y'all say the same thing, and it's, well, no, 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 no. It's not hard to do do this. It's should be easy because it's what you want to do, and you right. just keep going. And I think that's so important because we we doubt ourselves so much. You know, I as mothers, as sisters, as daughters, friends. You know, we're always kind of have this self doubt floating over our heads, and. Um, it's just silly. It doesn't need to be there. Look, I woke up filled with self-doubt today. I thought, yeah. oh my God, am I going to be able to get through today? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get through these interviews? What if I spill my tea down? You know, right. it would be wrong for any of your listeners to think, oh, so she left at 18. She had no self-doubt. I'm 53. I have self-doubt every moment of my life. But the thing that we need to realize as women is that that's A, totally normal. Mm -hmm. B, every woman you're looking at is it has the same tape loop in their head, mm -hmm. but that the important thing is to keep going and have your dreams and like lift yourself up and lift up other women around you. Look, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. We are not in a competition mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. And to like, we have a lot of power and you know, at our fingertips. And we just, like Diana, we just need to kind of like say, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'll have it, I'll take it. So who are your heroines, nonfiction and or fiction? Oh my goodness. You know, I have to say that one of the women who fascinates me the most, she's not a straightforward heroine, mm -hmm. but I think probably the woman who I always go back to and kind of try to figure out how she did what she did was Queen Elizabeth I. Yes. Because mm -hmm. that, that woman had everything in her life stacked against her. Mm -hmm. She was the last one standing. Mm -hmm. You know, she almost died numerous times, mm -hmm. and at 25, somebody plopped a country on her plate <laughs> and said, yeah, good luck with it, girl. Mm -hmm. You're an unmarried woman. And the predictions were literally that she'd last two or three years before mm -hmm. there was a coup d'etat, or she married somebody who took over her country or whatever. And the fact she made it to 70, without any of those things happening is like so beyond staggering mm -hmm. and or live that long in that time period alone exactly <laughs> and and the, and just the kind of the the way that she stayed flexible what's interesting about her is that she had a very close circle of women friends mm -hmm. who she relied on a lot but she did not treat them well hmm. and yeah. so like she's both a kind of role model but she's also a cautionary tale mm -hmm. of you know she did not establish schools for girls mm -hmm. she did not promote yeah. women into positions okay. of power because she was so worried about maintaining her own position mm -hmm. and being like the exception to every rule she, she didn't have the space for that she just mm -hmm. that would not have worked for her so she's she's the one I always go back to because mm -hmm. I can be like yeah don't be like Elizabeth 
don't be like Elizabeth. Right. You know? <laughs> also love your girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, if your girlfriend gets a tragic, horrible disease that's disfiguring, don't send her home and never see her again because it <laughs> makes you upset. <laughs> you know? That's a shitty move, Elizabeth. <laughs> it was a shitty move, yes. I would agree with you there. Yeah. And it was her boyfriend's sister, so even more awful. Oh, man. They're actually doing, I saw another... Uh, with Margot Robbie. I know. Did you see her makeup? Oh, my God. And, and wow. uh, Sorsha Reard is... Uh, uh, Swa- Ronan Sorsha. Sorsha Ronan, I think. Right. Is, yeah. Sorsha. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty name. Yeah, she's Mary Queen of Scots yes. in it. She looks fabulous. So this great female rivalry. I know. I love it. I know. It will be great. Um, one last question. So we interviewed Alice Trotton um, this <gasps> week. Alice! Love her. And it was so funny. Um... You know, she was leaving for Morocco, and she was packing up at home. And she was like, do you mind if I do this interview? Um, I'm also making uh, macaroni and cheese for my son. And there were, like, sheet buying in the background. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're hilarious. And we were just – we just had the greatest conversation about why she wanted to do this series. And she was saying that um, – you know, she loved the character, loved the books, you know, so fascinating. And we were talking about Diana and how, you know, does it – does it matter that, or is it really important to have a female director when you're directing, mm-hmm. you know, a female-driven show? Um, does it make that much of a difference? And I'm curious if you had any say or any requests in saying, like, I would really prefer someone with this experience to direct Diana so she's yeah. portrayed in the best way. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I was thrilled with their directorial choices, um, and they were all very different. We started with a man, J.C. Um, Medina, who mm-hmm. was a Spanish director of films. We went to house, and I love her body of work, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then our third director was a young woman, Sarah Walker, and we had an unusually female set of crew. So J.C. had a female director of photography, mm-hmm. um, a female first assistant director, mm-hmm. who's basically running the floor. Alice actually had a male director of photography mm-hmm. and a male running the floor. Sarah had a female director of photography and a male first AD. Mm-hmm. So it was like this, but but that's highly unusual. Like yeah. I think they, they're like, somebody did the statistics and they were like four female cinematographers in any films that were up for Oscar contention. And we had like two on on our television show. Um, So I just wanted them to really resonate, you know, to to resonate with something in the show. Mm -hmm. I think that each of them brought out really different features to it. I think Alice was such a thoughtful, character-driven director. Um, it was a gas to see her work and to think through things and she loved the stories and she was just like so into those aspects of it. Um, our goal is always, you know, we have different directors over eight, eight shows is to make it all still feel of a piece so that you mm-hmm. can't be like, oh, this is a Alice episode or this is a whatever right. episode. So, um, well, that would be difficult, yeah, to yeah. picture that continuity. Seems obvious, but I wouldn't think. But, you but know. actually, you should check and see how many. Like, you would be surprised at how many shows you're watching actually have different directors for different episodes. They're not the yeah. same directors, mm-hmm. and that's like means a whole different crew. Yeah, gosh, I didn't think a whole different everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, just like the sheer amount of people on this and bringing their their talents to it, 
but it was always a real treat. And um, Alice had a lot of fun with Valerie and, yeah. and with Alex and um, directing, getting those characters really up and moving because they're not ver- in, in the first two episodes very much, which yeah. was JC's blog. So, oh, I'm glad she, you had a chance to talk to her. She's really, she's really fantastic. Oh, you I could feel her. her energy through the phone. She was yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Wonderful. But also just such a great, um, again, like, a great reminder to us that we don't need to look seamless and perfect. Mm-hmm. Like there was Alice making macaroni and cheese with animals in the background, packing for Morocco and talking to you. You know, this is our superpower as women. Yes, 100%. Right? And so, but so often we're like, hi, here I am being totally professional. And, you know, actually, multitasking may save the world and is a female superpower. Hundred percent, and you don't have to be a mom to do no. it. I, I was, th- I remember when I had my daughter eleven months ago, and I would just think, oh my, I have to be the perfect person for her, and yada yada yada. And I started to realize, my daughter's gonna hate me if I'm constantly like trying to be something I'm not, you know. And I just kind of learned to let go, juggle things, and you just also make it work. Also, you don't want her to have to do that. No, right? That would be the last thing you would want for your own daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's like we got to learn how to also, while we're supremely ma- multitasking and running the universe, mm-hmm. also to be able to say like, actually, I need a thirty-minute nap now yeah. because <laughs> if I'm going to continue to run the whole universe, mm-hmm. I got to take take care of me too. It's so right. And that's that's where you know again, you know, power, power is a set of relationships. I think pe- often in films and TV, um, power is a thing. And you either have it or you don't. Yeah. Actually, that's not what power is. Power is a relationship that you have. It's a give and take. And it's it's not something you, you wield. You don't pick it up and put it down again. It's mm-hmm. something that people have to give you. You have to be willing to take it. You have to be willing to give it back and forth and exchange it. Um, and, and again, I just think what I love about writing Diana and what I loved in Times Convert was being able to write Diana a year after the events in the Book of Life, mm-hmm. where she's like she's starting to like settle into her power. Mm-hmm. She's starting to figure out how to make this like a daily part of her life, mm-hmm. and take care of her and her needs. Mm-hmm. And it's like I love writing it. I love kind of going on that journey with her. And you know that's where I'm hoping to keep going with the writing is mm-hmm. just to keep exploring all that process as these creatures kind of figure out how to live together and accept each other and have their fights and have the resolutions and and take the power that's theirs so I love it thank you so much for agreeing to this this is wonderful I know I was like this is so fun I'm so excited and I went to the panel um and I was in the press rooms and it was just everyone your whole cast is so excited to be there Everyone is so clearly enthusiastic about the show. I mean, and Valerie and Alex, their chemistry couldn't be more incredible. I mean, it was just wonderful to see them together. Of course, we were bummed that Matthew wasn't there, but busy you know, man these busy days man. with all these these film projects of his. Um, we're lucky to have him. He's absolutely from the, as you saw from the clips. He's pretty arresting when he's oh on screen. Oh my gosh, he's perfect. I mean, we all loved him from Downton Abbey and all that, anyways. And now, I mean, he's yeah. the perfect cast. He is. He, yeah. We missed having Matthew, but yeah, there's next the, year. But I'm telling you, the Valerie and Alex thing is just. I was watching it today on on the, the tape, and I was yeah. thinking, oh my God, could they be more perfect? 
their chemistry. I mean, I they, was just, I thought they were best friends already forever. Like, no. I met them in a hotel. I was coming into the hotel lobby. Yeah. They were going out to go shopping. And I was like, oh my gosh, there you are. And yeah. they, they, had their, they were arm in arm going off to go shopping in Wales. Oh my gosh, I love it. I, I was like, wow. And, you know, and again, we heart, we're not used to talking about, like, okay, what about chemistry between two female actors yeah. who are going to be in this long term relationship? Two straight female actors. Two straight, yeah. But those two have as much chemistry mm-hmm. as Teresa and Matthew do. Yeah. And you can feel it and you love it. Mm-hmm. So thanks for coming in to the panel. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Oh, it was so much so, fun. So Teresa's much. the perfect Diana. I mean, I she's just she's just stunning. And she's so sweet and very talented. Um, and she's done so much herself to take her power. Yeah. You know, and again, and to, to accept that, like, life is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Motherhood is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Being a career woman, these are all going to be tough to fit together. Mm-hmm. And she is just such a strong woman. Three and kids. I thought she only had two. And I was telling her in the press room, because I read her blog about, you know, she had this whole thing of breastfeeding and, you know, all the mom blogs. I was like, I can't read those. And someone sent me her blog. And I was like, this girl gets it. And then she, you know, just said, oh, yeah, I have three kids. I'm like, and they're all here? They were You're all, superwoman. <laughs> they were all with us every moment of the day. And Aww. Bodhi, like, posed for photos with us. So cute. Bodhi was on set. Bodhi and Forrest. Mark was on set. It, was, it was just super special. Super special because mm-hmm. those, it's like, they're all part of our family. Yeah. We're just a big old family. Well, congratulations thank and thank you, you so again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having yeah. me.